Welcome to everyone who's joining us online. We're back. You guys made it. We took a break last week. If you didn't know that, I'm sorry. You might have been here. We had some girls last night that were like, I came last week. They just, they missed the announcement. So if you came last week, I'm so sorry. Um, but we're back here now. So welcome for those who are joining online. Uh, every week, we take an offering at our tables and it's just a way to help pay for childcare, to pay for the books that we give away, and it pays for all of our tech stuff. So thank you so much if you've been donating or been generous. Uh, it helps a lot with just what we do here in the ministry. So thank you. Um, a few bigger announcements that I want to announce to everybody. Uh, CA does something called Partnership. It's a four-week class that we offer. We don't do membership here at CA. Um, and so really, it's a chance for you to learn the mission of the church. What is the Foursquare denomination? Who's on staff? What are some of the things you guys offer? What do you believe? Uh, I've been through it twice, once as a new staff member, and then most recently, um, I'm helping serve in it. But it's an awesome class. There's free breakfast. Um, it starts at 11.15, so during second service, and it goes goes for four weeks. So if that's something, if you've never taken it, if you go to CA and are just wondering more, how did this church form? How long have you guys been there? What do you believe? It's a great uh, chance to just learn that and you also get to meet a lot of the pastors. So I encourage you to sign up for that online. It's free and it starts May 1st. Um, next announcement is the app is back. Woohoo! You guys didn't even know we had an app, but we do. Um, this is an app that we had going for a while, and then in the transition, Jill and I didn't know how to upload it, but Sandra, because she's awesome and she's brilliant, she figured out all the tech stuff for us. So we're back. Uh, if you are on your phone a lot, you can download our app. We'll have all the teachings on there. We'll have events. Um, I've heard from women who like to listen to it instead of watching it. It's easier to podcast kind of if you're like if you're a walker and a listener so uh check out the app if you want it and i think it's called ca women if you can't find it i'll help you find it but it's awesome it's back so note that and last but not least uh, a lot of you were involved in our women's ministry uh conference that happened a few weeks ago uh at, during that time we did a raffle donation basket drive to raise money for the kingdom funds and our team our senior council here at ca has been praying about how to spend those funds and they have decided to bless uh refugees in ukraine and poland and so the church gave an additional gift on top of our ten thousand dollars and we sent an additional $60,000 over to the refugees there. I believe we might have a few photos. Uh, this is in Ukraine. They're getting, we work with kingdom partners who are leaders on the ground there. So they've done food donations, uh, a lot of just caring for people that have lost everything. Um, so I wanted to let you know, thank you so much for your generosity. All the money that we raised is going to help uh, those in that country that are fleeing persecution. So yeah. <laughs> We can just continue to pray that God does a good work and protects his children here and overseas. And so with that, let me just open us in prayer and we can pray uh, for everything that's happening in the world. God, we know that you are Lord of all, Father. You have a master plan and we're about to dive into what that looks like starting next week in the book of Revelation. But Father, we trust that you are a good God. And so we ask for your mercy on our friends in Ukraine and Poland. Lord, we pray for their deliverance, Lord. We pray for their freedom. We pray for their safety, Father. We pray for families who have been separated and lost everything, Father. In your tender mercy, uh, will you save them, Lord? Would they have hope in you? Would they have hope of reuniting? Would they have hope of a better future, one with safety and security, God, in their land? And so, Father, we lift up all the things in life that are bigger than us and harder than us that we just can't control, and we cry out for help, Lord. 
God, you are the God who hears us, who listens, who sees us, Lord. And some of us, even today in this room, have just situations that are way too big for us, Lord. And so we invite your mercy, we invite your power, we invite the power of the cross to enter our lives, God, and do a work that only you can do. So Father, would you give us ears to hear your word and hearts that are open to whatever you wanna speak to us today. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen, amen. Friends, we are diving into Ephesians two and three. We're doing a little combo teaching, which we don't normally do, but some of you thought, what am I gonna, how am I gonna know what happened in Ephesians two if she doesn't talk about it? I'm gonna talk about it, it's gonna be great. So I'm gonna package them together. So we're doing two and three in Ephesians, and this is like, these are like Hall of Fame passages. If you don't read anything else the rest of the series, which I hope you do, but if you don't, make sure you go back and read Ephesians two and three. It is the gospel. It is the good news of Jesus, and it is, it is Paul's desperate letter to us. If we can get this, if you and I can understand what this means and live in it, it will change everything about our lives. Um, did anyone pass notes in middle school? Just me, okay. So I used to pass notes, especially in math class. I don't know why I got bored in math class. So I would always pass notes and sometimes they were insignificant, like, hey, what up? And sometimes they were really big news, like Tyler has a crush on you. And you'd slide it across and she would open it and be like, <gasps> and it would be, you couldn't focus on math with that big of news. So you just sit there and think, Tyler has a crush. Tyler has, a cr Tyler has a crush on me? Uh, these were life-altering notes, some would say. Um, but when you get them, you would just sit in it. It was hard to focus on anything. This is Paul, this is his note that he's sliding you across the jail cell. He's in jail writing this, and he's like, I, you need to know this. This is worth passing. This is worth me getting caught and busted for because it's such big news. So I want you to read this like it's a note from your best friend in sixth grade, and she's telling you it has a crush on you, and it could change your future plans for the weekend. But this is gonna change the future plans for your life. This is Paul's own etchings of saying, hey, this is important stuff. You need to know this, this is a big deal. Um, before we started into this, I was thinking about this, like how it changes everything. Uh, when I was in college, it was right around the time that iPods were coming out way back in the day for some of you young ones, uh, there wasn't music that you could just put in your ears. So anyways, everybody in my group was getting an iPod and I didn't have one and it was this thing you could listen to music on. So I begged my parents and I begged them and finally over Christmas they broke down and they got me one. So I came back to school, I had my iPod and lo and behold, I had like, you know, done all my little Napster research and illegal downloads and put it on a little playlist and I got it all in my pocket. I remember hitting play and putting on my earphones and walking out the door my first day, life changing. <laughs> Suddenly my little life had like a soundtrack. I felt like I was like in a movie and everything felt different. It was like so novel that I could walk down the street with like the Beatles in the background and being like, we all live in a yellow submarine. I was like, we do, we do, we do. And I, my mom called me later that week and she's like, hey, how's it going? I'm like, mom, it's literally changed my life. And she was like, well, that's kind of extreme. I'm like, no, you don't, it's, it's I'm living in a different universe, right? We have these things in life that we experience, like me having music walking down the main street in Milwaukee and just feeling like, oh my gosh, I have a soundtrack. And this, this love letter, this truth is the soundtrack that Paul's inviting us to keep in the back of our mind when we live. Wherever we go, wherever we walk, this is about identity stuff. This changes 
everything. Whether you feel it or not, it is a new universe when we figure out what Christ has done and the benefits that actually come with it. So I encourage you, uh, if you haven't read this section, go back and read it and just let God, it's like a treasure map. Be like, God, what do you got for me in this? Something good. Let him reveal himself to you. So uh, today we're going to dive into the passage. We're going to read all of it because it's God's word and it's awesome. So if you get nothing from what I say, uh, I hope you get something out of God's word because we know it is alive and active and we're going to go through two chapters because, oh, we don't have that much time. Great. All right, let's start. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. Uh, this is Paul speaking. Remember, he's penning this in jail. This is his note to you and I about how to live. Paul says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. I'm gonna read that again, because when I read that, my mind goes somewhere to places I've been, things I've done, things I've seen, and maybe yours does, maybe it doesn't. It says, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his, his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we're going to focus on three points of this text. The first point, if you're taking notes, is you and I are made alive in Christ through grace. You and I are made alive in Christ through grace. You see, there's this difference between being dead and being alive. And we celebrated this this last weekend during Easter that Jesus Christ died on the cross, was buried, he was dead, and he rose again. God brought life out of death. And what Paul is saying, he's saying all of us have lived in death before. All of us have lived for things that are not of God. All of us have gotten caught up in the hamster wheel of the world. And so he's acknowledging that. He's saying, hey, I'm looking at my life, I'm looking at your life, we've all gotten off track. We've all been dead. But now, because of Jesus Christ, we've been given life. We can live, we are alive. Um, have you guys ever done like cleaning projects, chores, gardening, anything that you got a little dirty? doing? <laughs> Nobody. Okay, so once I garden, <laughs> um, I've done projects around the house where I get, you know, you get kind of dirty, and especially in California, it's hot, you get sweaty, and there's this point when, like, you get done with your work, and it feels so good to get out of those dirty clothes, to shower, and to put on clean clothes. That, that fresh cotton, the no more sweat, the no more dirt, the no more worms on your feet, like, the gardening's done, and then you put on these new clothes, and it's like, Ah, I feel, I feel good. I can sit on the couch now without fear. I can go to friends. Like, I'm clean. This is what Paul's talking about. He's saying you and I used to live in the dirt. 
We used to be dirty. There was things that we did that bruised our heart, that bruised our mind, that tainted who we were, that dishonored the person that God made us. And we were stuck in this. We were literally dead in this because there was no hope. It was just dirt, 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 dirt. And then Jesus Christ came along and by his grace, he said, I will take you from death. I will take off your dirty clothes. I will wash you and I will clothe you in brand new clothes and I will make you alive. And this is where Jesus Christ invites us to live. You and I have crossed from death to life when we believe in Jesus Christ. And this is no, no effort of our own. This is not an earning thing. This is not, I went to church every week. Coley, I'll show you my notes. I'm taking copious notes of your talks. It's nothing we can do to earn it. We can't scrub hard enough. We can't try to get on our new clothes. Only Jesus can completely wash us and give us a whole new identity. You see, when you and I believe in Jesus, all the dirt and junk of our past, it's erased, it's washed away. And it also foreshadows that all the junk that we will step into and get caught up in, in Jesus, he washes it away when it comes at us. And he doesn't look at us as dirty sinners. He doesn't look at us as dirty people. He looks at us as clean people, as white as snow. You see, when we're dead in our sins, we start to chase death, right? We eat too much chocolate, we drink too much wine, we try to save our money to give us comfort, we judge others, we scorn others because we're all in self-protection mode and we're trying to make sense of why everything feels broken, right? But then when Christ gives us life in him, it's this free, abundant gift and no longer do we have to strive to find life, to find hope, to find meaning, to find love. It's all complete package. That's just given to us by grace. It's that crossing over. There's a Bible verse that says, very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him, it's Jesus who has sent me, has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly I tell you a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. John 5 24 through 25. So here's the reality. You and I are not our old selves. We are a new self. We are a new creation in Christ. And so I wonder today, where do you feel dead? Where does it feel like there's still dirty clothes in your laundry? There's still things that you feel like you're putting on, you're stepping back and into the gardening thing. There's area, what areas of your life still don't feel clean or feel heavy or feel like you're trapped in them? What I wanna encourage you in today is to pray that the Lord shows you that your past, that your mistakes, that your trauma, that the things you've done wrong and the things that have been done to you, they no longer define you. That's your old self. In Jesus, he puts new clothes on and gives you a new hope and a new future and he sees you differently. You are a new creation in Jesus. What is the disconnect in your brain between seeing yourself as from death to life. That's the invitation Paul's saying. He's like, no longer consider your former ways of life, your old self, that isn't you anymore. You've been raised up and you are now a new creation. So the things that used to satisfy, you don't have to chase them anymore because they don't satisfy. Has anyone chased anything that doesn't satisfy when you actually get it? I, was, I made a little list for myself and just I wanted to share it with you. Uh, I just thought, like these little, they're not, they're lies of like in the sense that we think they're gonna give us something they don't. And so this thought of like no vacation ever completes our peace or rest. 
We've all been on a vacation, we get home and we're like, well, it's nice, but I'm exhausted, right? But we think the whole time we're planning for it, we're like, if I just get on vacation, like everything will be peaceful. And then you get there and there, you know, you can't find the taxi or whatever. There's things that happen and no longer, it robs our rest. No new clothes, no new haircut, uh, no makeup will ever make us feel beautiful forever, right? Have you ever wanted something that you're like, if I just had that coat and my hair looked like that, if I could get that, I would feel good about myself. And you might for a little bit, but it doesn't last forever, it's fading, it doesn't actually satisfy. No food or drink or any substance can numb the pain for longer than a moment or a short while, right? How many of us have wanted to just check out, to think that, oh, this will fill the need for the day, and then on the other side of it, you just sit in it and you're like, oh man, I'm still hurting, it still sucks, nothing got better by doing that. And no relationship cures our loneliness. No friendship, no family, nothing can fill this void that we have in our heart because the void is God-shaped and no person as great as they are is gonna fill it. You see, there is nothing that can actually satisfy but Jesus because he gives life and he gives life to the full and when we become a new creation in Christ, we suddenly start to crave life. We wanna, we wanna do the things that bring life. We wanna be with Christians, we wanna praise Jesus, we wanna read the word, we wanna do things because that life begets life, whereas when we're in patterns of death, death begets death, right? It's the first invitation Paul gives us. He says, when you believe in Jesus, you have literally crossed over and it is by grace. This is the clincher, ladies. We cannot earn it. We cannot do enough. We cannot check a list. We cannot show up. We cannot pray enough. It's not about our effort. It's about this grace. God says, you didn't earn it. You didn't do anything. You don't have to. I already paid the price for you. All you have to do is receive it. All you have to do is come to me and say, I don't want to put these dirty clothes on anymore. Will you give me new clothes? And we trust the Lord to clothe us in a righteousness and a cleanliness that we couldn't have earned by ourselves. And I say this because I know some of you are still, you're scrubbing and you're washing and you're trying to figure it out and you wanna do it and you don't wanna feel like a burden to anybody and Jesus says you can't, you can't do it. You can't get yourself out of death. Only I can do that. But anybody who comes for me, I will bring to life. Let's carry on, Ephesians, amen to that. Ephesians 2 verse 11, it says, therefore remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his own flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to those who were far away and peace to those who were near, for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. So consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizen with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together, become a dwelling place place in which God lives by his spirit. 
it's a lot, but point number two is one, we have one new humanity in Jesus. We have one new humanity in Jesus. A new me plus a new you equals a new us. Uh, so for the history of this, Paul was by birth, by ethnicity, he was a Jew. And all through the Old Testament, we will see again and again and again that God set apart a people group for his purposes and for his glory. So the Jews were God's chosen people and everybody else was considered, they were Gentiles, they were not part of the promise. But when Jesus came, he came to break that wall between who was God's chosen and who was not God's chosen. He broke it with his own blood and he said, now anybody who comes to me, regardless of your race, regardless of of your ethnicity, regardless of your gender, anybody can come to me. So Paul, who is a Jew, who was believed and trained his whole life that he is God's chosen people, who at one point in his life was killing Christians because they were doing the wrong thing, they were trying to invade the people group that God had set apart for himself. Now Paul is preaching, he's saying, even the Gentile, even you, you are welcomed in to the covenant of God. Now this is huge for us, we don't have any division in our society, so it's probably hard for you to understand this. But this is the goal. Jesus wanted to make one new humanity where everybody was welcomed. You see, the enemy since the beginning has been about division. The enemy's entire job, Satan's job, is to lie, kill, and destroy. And so if Satan can get us to believe that we're different or we're isolated or I'm against them or bring hostility between people, it wrecks God's good and perfect plan of one family. You see, Jesus died so that there'd be no barriers for his people. He created this table and he said, everyone who comes to me is welcome. Let the little children come. Let different ethnicities come. Let different ages come. Let women come. Let women, let women share the good news about me at the tomb. Jesus changed everything. But I wonder for you and I how often those sneaky little boundary lines get in our thinking and get in our ways. Those little prejudices that rise up that the other, she's different than me. I don't really like that. They raise their kids differently. I, don't, oh, I saw what she was reading on her phone. I don't like that. With the littlest thing, I mean, we laugh about it, but the littlest things we'll use to divide over. And I mean, because I have the privilege of working for women's ministry, I know that we all got some opinions, right? We all got things we think is right and wrong or we like or we don't like. And the smallest, the fraction of differences can divide us. And that's not Jesus's plan for us. That is not Jesus's hope for his new creation. He said, I came to break down the barriers so that all could come to me through my son, Jesus Christ. And so I wonder in your own life, if you were really honest with yourself, and this might take some time, this might take some reflection with Jesus, Have you drawn any lines in the family of God? Have you put up any walls based on someone's look, their personality, mental health status, the zip code that they live in, what they wear, how they talk, the color of their skin, the car they drive, how they smell? Have you put up barriers with your brothers and sisters in Christ? Because I want to tell you that is what the enemy would love for you and I to do, to divide the body, create hostility in the inside. He's like, oh, nailed it. They'll never figure this out. There's no love where there's division and hate. Once Satan can put up walls, he's already done his job and he just sits back and says, they'll never figure it out. 
They'll never know how loved they are and how they're called to love each other and be one together. Jesus created a new humanity for us while we were still sinners. Again, we just went back to this. It's grace. I didn't do anything to get the love of God. You didn't do anything to get the love of God. We've all been washed clean in Jesus, and so Jesus says, because you didn't earn it, there's nothing that you did because I gave it to you. This is a free gift, so everyone's welcome at the table, and nobody's better than anybody else. No one's more deserving to be here. No one's more worthy of my love. No one has a higher rank. We're all just sinners saved by grace. That's the message of the cross. Um, I heard one quote that I really like. My friend Peter said this to me in seminary. It might have been a C.S. Lewis quote, but don't quote him because I don't know. Uh, but he says, Christianity is just one beggar telling another beggar where he found bread. We're all just beggars. We all just need the love and mercy of God, something that we don't deserve, that we can't earn. We're not better than anybody, we're not worse than anybody. And so I wonder this week, if you were honest to sit with the Lord, have you drawn any lines in the sand with people in your life, with family members, with sisters in the body, with somebody of a different ethnicity, with someone who goes to a different denomination church? What are the lines that you've put up and considered somebody other? Because Jesus said, no, that's what I came to break down. I don't want my children to hate each other or be against them. I want you to love one another, to acknowledge that's all by grace, that you're all saved by grace. So where have you drawn lines this week? Jesus came to bring one new humanity, and what a powerhouse that is when we live well together, when we support each other, when we see each other, when we like each other's differences, when we don't criticize, when we don't judge, when we don't put up walls. That's the power of the body of Jesus working. It's the church. That's how he designed his bride to be one new humanity. It was Christ at the center, and Christ says, I am your peace. Well, you might not have peace with your neighbor or a friend, I am your peace. Put me between every relationship you're having a hard time with. See that person through me, not on the other side. See them through me and you'll see that person in peace. Who do you need to see through the lens of Christ? It's only through him. We're all going back to Jesus. You have to see Jesus first before you can see the other and treat them as the same. Who do you need to put Jesus between in your relationships to see them differently? And the last part, Ephesians 3, 2 through 13, Paul says, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation as I have already written briefly. In reading this then, you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, <clears throat> which was not made known to people in other generations and as, as it has now been revealed by the spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to say this. <clears throat> he says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
in him and through him, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. All that to say, summed up, use the word mystery three times. Point number three is the mystery has been revealed. The mystery has been revealed. Mm -hmm. Since the beginning of time, all humans have asked the same fundamental questions. Who am I and why am I here? What is my purpose? Every single world religion has sought to answer those questions. Every human, every tribe, tongue, and nation, every gender, every person who is born on this planet will ask themselves those two basic questions. Who am I and why am I here? And Paul is saying, friends, the code has been cracked. The mystery has been solved. What was hidden for ages has now been revealed in Jesus. Um, does anyone watch murder shows, crime shows? Yeah, oh I got some people, I see you. Um, I, I like them a lot. Um, I find them so fascinating. Um, there's something about it that like when I watch them, I just like, I need to know who did it. Like, it's just like, there's something in me that stirs up. And so one of them that I recently watched or in COVID I watched it was McMillionaire. All right, you guys, this is your blessing for the day. Um, <laughs> It is the show about the Monopoly deal scandal. It was a scandal. Remember you used to go to McDonald's and peel off your little Monopoly cards and just hope that you could get them and you never got the boardwalk and you're like, the next burger, I'll get the boardwalk. You never did. It was a scandal. It was a scandal that was run. It was rigged by a group of men down in Florida and they would pay people and it was this very complicated thing. But for years I'd go to McDonald's and get a fry or a shake and think like I could win. No, it was rigged. So anyway, so I got really, really into this show in COVID when you weren't like seeing many people. So what would happen is I would like think about it as I watched each episode and be like, how did he get from there? Like how did, like you just, I wanted to know. And then what happened is I like started to get really into it in my head and all the other shows. So then I'd be at the grocery store and just be like casually thinking about it. And I'd look next to me and I'd be like, you go to McDonald's often? Me too. Did you know this? Like, I would just start talking about it because I wanted to share it with people because I didn't want anyone else to be dubbed and I wanted to process it with people. This is the reality. Whether you like these shows or not, there is something deep inside of us that hungers for the truth, right? That's all humans. We hunger to know the truth, who we are, why we're here, what is actually happening, that's part of our DNA. And that's, the, that's one of the things God created that in us because he knew we would reach out to him and seek him. Uh, there's a verse in Romans that puts it really well in the Passion Translation. It says, in reality, the truth of God is known instinctively, for God has embedded this knowledge inside every human heart. Opposition to truth cannot be excused on the basis of ignorance because from the creation of the world, the invisible qualities of God's nature have been made visible, such as his eternal power and transcendence. He has made his wonderful attributes easily perceived for seeing the visible makes us understand the invisible. So then this leaves everyone without excuse. Here's the deal, you guys. For all of human history, people have wondered this grand question. What are we doing here? Why are we here? And Jesus Christ revealed the mystery. It's always been about him. 
and it always will be about him. And we're about to study the book of Revelation and we'll see that there is nothing, we are nothing without Jesus. The mystery has been revealed that you and I were sinners who are stuck in the dirt and Christ loved us so much that God sent Christ down to take on our sin, to take on all of our dirt, to die on the cross for us so that his blood would pour out and his blood washed us and it made us righteous and it made us clean and he gave us a brand new identity in Christ. We are a new creation because of Jesus. This is the mystery of the world. It's why we're here, to love Jesus, to know Jesus, and to share Jesus. And so don't let anything in culture dub you, lie to you, that there's more, that there's still mystery out there, that there's another purpose to life, that there's more meaning, that there's more joy in something else, that life can be have apart from Jesus. It's been the same ploy that Satan's been using all along. There is nothing that we have that's worth anything that's apart from Jesus. That's the mystery made known. And so I wanna close us in a little bit of reflection today. I want us to think about these two chapters that Paul wrote, that it was so imperative that the new people of Jesus know this and read this because it would transform everything. It would form the soundtrack of their lives, identity, worldview. And so I wanna give you a chance just with God in your heart to respond to the three points that I shared tonight. So I'm gonna invite you to close your eyes, or today, this morning, close your eyes, get comfortable, and I just wanna ask you to sit with Jesus and talk to him for a little bit about a few things. The first one that God, Jesus has made you alive in him. He's made you a new creation. And what a gift of grace it is. So where do you today need to put off dirty clothes? Where in your life are you wrestling with, man, I'd, I keep going back to that same dirty outfit and I don't wanna wear it anymore. Where do you need God's grace to put on your true clothes, your redeemed clothes, your clean clothes that Jesus died to give you? The second part of that is, uh, is it hard for you to receive from God? Is there any barriers that allow you to think that no, I can't, it's too good, I need to earn it more? If so, will you just spend a few seconds in prayer asking him to help you with that? Because the reality is none of us can earn it. None of us got there by doing anything, it was all God's grace. Will you help ask Jesus to help you receive his grace? second point to ponder is it's no longer about me or you instead it's about us God broke all the dividing walls to create one new humanity so is there any way that you're living where you're still divided from a brother or sister in Christ would you ask the Lord to reveal if there's any in invisible lines you've drawn against others that God wants to break down in you 
Maybe these were lines you inherited from your parents or the culture you grew up in, whatever they are, will you ask God to reveal if there's any lines that need to be broken down for you to be part of God's one new humanity? And then on the flip side of that, I want you to ask the Lord if anyone has made you feel less than or other by drawing a line up against you. If you've been excluded from Christian community or felt rejected by your fellow siblings in Christ. And if so, I want you to ask the Lord to reveal his truth and heal that division for you and them. And finally, God's mystery is revealed to us. And because of that, we not only live in truth, but we get to help make the mystery known to others. So where do you need to apply the mystery of all the ages of God's goodness, the gospel, to your own life today? Is there anything in your life that you're still hoping will bring satisfaction, joy, fulfillment, or life that isn't Jesus? And finally, is there anyone in your life who God might be inviting you to share the mystery with? Someone who's chasing the wrong things, who's stuck on the hamster wheel. If so, will you pray for that person right now that God would soften their heart to receive his goodness? In closing, I'm gonna read over you, Paul's closing of chapter three, which is a prayer. So I'm gonna pray it over you, and I'm just gonna ask that the Lord would reveal any part of it that he wants you to hear for you today. This is what Paul says. This is his prayer and my prayer for us today. Paul says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its names. 
And I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. Lord, we thank you for today, and we ask that you bless us as we go to our groups. In Jesus' name, amen.